who do people say that I am? Jesus is slowing the pace of his ministry, inviting a space of reflection. What, what are people saying about me? What, what's the word about Jesus? In our day and time, I imagine that's answered quite differently than the answers the disciples gave. Well, some are saying you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. Perhaps we'd say to Jesus, well, some are saying you're, you're a religious leader. Some are saying you're a good man. Some are saying you're God. We may lament. Some, some are saying you're the cause of a lot of strife and narrow-mindedness. Or some honestly don't know anything about you. Who do people say I am? And then Jesus leans all the further into this space of reflection he has created. And he says, who do you say I am? Those who have drawn near to me, put it in your own words, who am I to you? You are the Messiah, Peter responds. This has been a weekend of reflection. A week of much reflection. Twenty years. Many have been the memories I've considered from my own personal recollections, as well as through watching videos and seeing tributes and, and considering photos and stories, ones I knew and ones I didn't know. Imagine all of us have been looking and considering 9 11 and its aftermath. One of the smaller things that I recalled in this space of remembrance is how in the ensuing years, just after 9-11, superhero movies became really popular. Do you remember this? The first one that set the tone was Spider-Man, released in May of 2002. It's a story of this New York City high school student, shy, awkward, nerdy, but right through a spider bite, finds himself infused with superpowers. And long story short, he saves the day. And there's this iconic scene. Toward the very end of the movie, it was added post-production. Most of Spider-Man had been filmed pre-9-11, but they added this last 20 seconds um, after 9-11. It's where Spider-Man, he's, he's already saved the day, he leaps on top of the, the uh, Empire State Building, and the, the American flag is just billowing in the wind. And the first time I saw that movie in the theater, but, but just a few months after 9-11, and even though I knew it was Spider-Man and, and, and all the rest, it, it gave me chills. Spider-Man was the first movie ever to make over $100 million in its opening weekend. Superhero stories found great resonance among us because they're the kind of story we love and even long for, most especially in times of significant trial. Someone or someones who comes from among the people and is infused with an extra measure of power. And they can, and then they can 
Press down evil, thwart evil, destroy evil. Even as they, they, they save, they raise up the broken, the sick, the tired, the wrongly treated. A Messiah. Long were the hopes of Israel for a deliverer, a mighty warrior, a, a Messiah to raise high their people after years of living under foreign rule and mistreatment and constant fear and a crushing tax system. Peter confesses Jesus as Messiah, mighty warrior. Perhaps finally now, now is the time. Do we not Likewise, have our reasons that now, now would be a really good time for a deliverer. I remember two summers ago standing at one of the memorial pools located on the 9-11 Memorial and Museum grounds there in New York City where the Twin Towers used to be. And no matter how many people are out strolling in the area, no matter how beautiful the sky or the sun and all the rest, those of you who've been there, you know this, when you stand right up alongside one of those pools, there is this sacred, sobering quietude. And you look down into this expansive, dark void where the tower used to be, and there's this continually falling water going into the void, even as the void never fills. The entire motion of the memorial is one not of ascent, but descent. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. It's like Jesus hears Peter confess Messiah, and Jesus knows what Peter assumes with that word, what, what Peter hopes with that word, one who will overcome, one who will overpower, and so Jesus' words lead Peter to the side of that pool. Jesus needs to be abundantly clear with Peter that while, yes, he will eventually rise, his Messiahship unfolds not by way of overpowering, but by way of Descent. Because living water is love. And love cannot help but flow continually unto the voids of human pain and human tragedy and suffering and sin and even death itself. Love will bear even the shame of the cross for the sake of love. And Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. It's a strong word, rebuke. It's the same word uh, used of Jesus when he rebukes the winds and the water earlier in the Gospel of Mark. It's a confrontational word. It's a pointed word. The descending Messiah who walks a road fraught with, with suffering and, and, and shame, not the picture of a Messiah we often want. No, no, no. In these times, it's time to draw forth the horse and the chariot. It, it's time to legislate your will. It's time to put some people in their place and evil in its place. Can you not see Peter pointing upward? It's time to overcome. But turning back to his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you're setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. And can't you see Jesus' fingers pointing down toward the water? 
is not often the picture of the Messiah we want. But if you're in a place, space where the grief always seems to be just around the corner, or hope for reconciliation seems pretty bleak, or the needed change seems near impossible, if death itself is knocking on the door, if this very day you are staring down in an, into an impossibly dark void or in fact standing in the void itself, it is indeed deeply good news that the God of the universe and Jesus Christ flows without ceasing unto precisely such space. Jesus calls Peter Satan, which underscores just how seriously Jesus takes this understanding of what Messiahship is all about. Satan is, is the tempter. Peter's words are trying to tempt Jesus to harness the powers, the, 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 the resources, the politics, the people skills, the money, the weaponry of this world to be a Messiah hero. But the way of love the only way of real and lasting hope, the only road unto a genuine rising, the way of love is that of descent. How does Paul, the Apostle Paul, put it so famously when, when really he encapsulates the very essence of Jesus' ministry in Philippians chapter 2? Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage pulling on the heavenly powers and riches to do what he wants. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Living water descends and so rises. And having clarified what kind of Messiah he is, Jesus extends an invitation to any who would follow. If any would become my followers, if any of you would be baptized and, and declare your followership, let them, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. Which is to say, just, just as I have denied myself the use of heavenly powers that, that I might enact my will and instead chosen the way of love unto the point of pain and great shame. So too, any who follow me, not, let them not hold to their places of power, protection, and, and security. For those who hold them anyway will lose them. But, 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 but let go and choose the way that the water flows. To be sure, Jesus is not calling followers to, to actively seek out suffering or, or, or self-flagellate ourselves if it doesn't seem like, seem like we have enough hardship going on at this particular moment. He's simply making clear that to follow him is to walk the path of descent. This is where love flows. This is how the water flows. And inevitably, at some point, in any number of ways, to love is to suffer. 
It may be the suffering of letting go of our selfishness or some sense of our security in the name of serving another. It may be the suffering of letting go of being right in the name of forgiveness. It may be the suffering of sitting with people in cavernous voids of pain and atrocity too deep for words. And maybe the suffering of, of offering generous love only, only to have it refused. And maybe the suffering of not enjoying the temporary delight of an eye for an eye. And then facing the ridicule or worse for that choice. And maybe the suffering of identifying with some of the most vulnerable. The suffering simply inevitable when life is lived open and vulnerable. The living water of the world has suffered for the sins and evils of this world, yours and mine very much included. In this very day, that love pours continually unto the deepest voids of this world, this nation, these our hearts. For love cannot help but go unto the lowest point. Have we noticed the water cascading in these recent days? How? Where? Who? And then what would it look like for us, the body of Jesus Christ on earth, what would it look like for us to, to, to risk opening our hands, to loosen the, our trust in, in some of our messiahs of, of money or a candidate or a job, or an ideology, or an education, or just the right leader, and, 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 and simply and foremost follow the lead of love. And where does the lead call us today? Unto what particular void does the Spirit call for living water? And even if Christ's love pours through us steadily, and the void itself proves unrelenting time after time, year after year. We are held in this fundamental assurance that the darkness has not and will not overcome love. He is risen, and so all that is done in his name and by his love shall, shall likewise rise. Amen.